It is so good to be with you all. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this is my first time preaching in the new year. Uh, I got a long break, which was awesome because Scott was stressed every weekend, and I just got to relax every weekend, so it was a pretty good deal. Um, those of you that are joining um, us from home or on the road, we're glad that you're able to tune in via interwebs. And so um, you may have noticed I'm wearing my heels today, which means I mean business today, y'all. So <laughs> buckle up. Uh, so we just started a new series called Full Circle. And if you were here last week, you know, we jumped into the story of Adam and Eve because we're in this season called Lent, in case you didn't know. And so we are making our journey towards celebrating Easter, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But in order to get there, we decided let's, let's start at the very beginning and see where everything went wrong. So we started with Adam and Eve. And so Scott started us off, and, you know, we just barely got into that story of what we did because we're complete doodles. Um, we didn't even get into Cain and Abel when Cain killed Abel for jealousy and all of that. And as we go on, we just continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake. So the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different covenants in the story, um, in the Bible, and you will find that in each story that we study, that we are met with this covenant from God, this promise, this grace, this love that continues on. So today, we're going to look at the story of um, Noah in the flood, and so I thought I'd actually read from um, my daughter's children's Bible. Many of us have a children's Bible at home, right? Um, This one is actually accurate because Jesus is not white, so it's great. Um, Those are hard to find, (laughs) just letting you know. Um, So I'm going to read the story of Noah that I would read to my daughter. So God told Noah, build a boat, fill it with animals. So Noah did. Animals came aboard two by two from alligators to zebras. Rain came down. The boat floated. Water covered the whole earth. When the land dried, God made a rainbow in the sky. God took care of Noah, his family, and all the animals. And so the little takeaway message is God takes care of you and your family. So kind of some broad strokes in there, if you're familiar with the Noah story. Uh, They don't really get into things, which I'm thankful for because, you know, we want our children to like coming to church and like God. Um, and if we were to really dig into it, it, it would read differently. So let me just give you an example of what it might say. So God told Noah, build a boat, fill it with animals. So Noah did. Animals came aboard two by two from alligators to zebras. Rain came down. The boat floated. Water covered the whole earth. And there were dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> and there were baby elephants drowning and sloths. And all the puppies were dead. God takes care of you and your family. The end. So, you know, I'm thankful again that they don't get into it. But I think if you're like me, you know, we... We, we think about all these stories that we read in the children's Bible, and we don't go back to them once we're adults and kind of read the fullness of them, which I think is very, very important. And so we are going to discuss the covenant eventually at the very, very end, uh, but I think we have to start where it, what all made this flood come on. So let's look at Genesis 6, 1 through 5. 
The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. It broke his heart. Can we think about that for a little moment? Kind of let that, the gravity of that weigh on us, that we broke God's heart. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I immediately felt, oh gosh, oh gosh. And I bet all of us in this room, if I asked you if you know what it's like to have a broken heart, all of us would say, yeah. The deep pain, the grief, and the sorrow that you feel when your heart is broken. And that's what God felt in this moment. Can you imagine? And I know many people probably try to argue and say, you know, you're, you're making God too personal, too human-like. But we worship this God that is Trinity, right? And that there's this personhood of Jesus Christ, that there are human emotions to this God. And so God very much feels pain. And if we start to, to think that our actions and what we do don't affect God, don't hurt God, then we are fooling ourselves. Again, as you, if you keep with us over these next few weeks and you celebrate Palm Sunday with us and then you're with us through that Holy Week and we get to Good Friday, God very much feels pain. You will see, yeah, that pain is real. That sorrow, that grief is very real. And so I know you're thinking, this is a really Debbie Downer kind of way to start your sermon, Reagan. But I think it's important that we need to realize that we broke God's heart. But let's keep reading. Starting in Genesis 6-7. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. Again, can you imagine the place that God must have been at to think this? That this was a thought that came through his mind. Talk about being between a rock and a hard place. I mean, Scott said this uh, last week. I think, you know, if we had the choice, we probably would have just hit restart. I know I would have. If I was a God, I would say, well, I guess it didn't work out. Let's try it again. I mean, God poured himself into creation. He put so much time and effort and thought and love, and then he just watched us destroy it and take it for granted. I mean, we were wicked. Everything we did was evil. And so I have to wonder, you know, God, why, why would you have not just restarted? I mean, why put yourself through the pain and disappointment? And so I think it's important for us to realize that God had a choice. God did have a choice. But when we read on, it says, but God saved humanity. God chose to save humanity. Is that incredible? That he, he had a choice, and we were bad. We were awful. And he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. 
And so it makes me think, you know, all those times where I feel like God owes me things, that I deserve something, that I don't. God does not owe us one single thing. And yet God gives us everything. Because if we got what we deserved, especially in this story, we would have been totally wiped out. But we weren't. Because it says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah. If you have studied world religions or different cultures, you know that this flood story is very common. It's not reserved just for the Christian faith. But what's different is that in those stories, everyone is wiped out. Everything. Not every story has a Noah. And what's really fascinating is that, you know, we've been taught to believe that Noah was really righteous. In some translations, you will read that he was faithful, he was righteous, he had incredible faith. But if you read a little bit past into like Genesis 9, when he gets drunk and naked and curses his son, you kind of realize, oh, 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 this, this is the guy that you chose? God, really? You put all your eggs in this basket. Seems a little risky. But I think it kind of proves how bad things were. But God looked down at Noah, Noah and his family, and said, I can work with that. I can work with that. So when I think about Noah, for my Harry Potter fans out there, I feel like Noah was a little bit like Snape, right? You know, we love Snape, but he's not really entirely good, right? And he's not entirely bad. But at least he's not Voldemort, right? Right? Like the options could have been worse. It could have been that guy, right? Not very exciting. And then I think, again, okay, so Noah is flawed. He's really not that great. He's not that really set apart or, or holy and, and all of that. And yet God, who is holy and perfect and creator of everything and knower, knower of everything, extends down to this human and gives us covenant. That's also different from the other stories. From other faith traditions, we don't see God coming down. And of course, we know that very much in the personhood of Jesus Christ, that he came down to earth to be among us. But let's keep reading. Let's see what else happens. Okay, so we read that things were not good. And God decides to save us. And he decides, okay, let's, let's see what happens. But here's a really important thing that I didn't realize until I was studying this scripture and some commentaries this week, that God knew that starting over with Noah and his family, it still wouldn't restore Eden. Eden would still not come back. And I have to imagine that was heavy too, to realize even though I'm getting rid of most everything, I still can't recapture what was. In uh, chapter 8, verse 21, it says, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never destroy all living things. So I think this verse is incredibly important because it just shows, it proves that God knew that we were going to mess it up quite quickly. That this, this, this idea of saving a few people wasn't going to fix it all. It wasn't going to restore that beauty, that perfection, and God still went forward 
I mean, I know if I do something like that, I want good results, right? Like in your job, if you're said, well, we're going to try this, we probably won't get super great results. We'll get so-so results. I don't think your boss would be very happy. Like I think about, let's talk about this. So when you clean your house, right? Those of us that have like little ones especially, how long is it clean after you clean your house? Anyone? Maybe 10 minutes, right? I know for me, it's literally maybe 10 minutes because I have a toddler. I have a dog that's a great Pyrenees that sheds every other breed of dog just through her hair, you know? And I'm married to Scott, who I adore and love, but it's a little messy, okay? Just a little. Some, some would say he was a slob. I would never call him that. He's a slob. So I think about how angry I get when I'm like, I put all this effort, and then it's just ruined, and then we think about God saves, and then it just gets ruined immediately. But it's because of God's deep and profound love for us, the way that he gives grace, the way that he forgives, the way that he continues to move toward us. And again, if you stick with us over the next few weeks, you will see time and time again us making a mistake and God extending a covenant. And so this week I started thinking, oh my gosh, he really did give us a second chance. And he knew Eden wouldn't come back, but I have to imagine he wanted something to happen. And so I believe that even though Eden did not happen after the flood, it doesn't mean that God just stops, that actually God is leading us towards a new Eden. And at times, I know that I get overwhelmed and I get fed up because I don't see this new Eden at times. And so often I choose to do nothing. I choose to do nothing because I'm like, well, we'll never get back there. So what, why should I even try? But that's not right. Because I know in the Lord's prayer and in our beliefs that we believe that the kingdom of God is here. Not fully, but it is here. It's not fully realized, but there's elements of it. And it will come fully again one day. We believe that. We proclaim that. I hope that you would believe that too. And so we don't have to look far to see how fallen and broken we are. But I know that God is with me. God is moving toward me. And that we can be one step closer to this new Eden. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, I think we have to realize when we see new Eden, when I see it, when I taste bits and pieces of it, I know that I want more of it. I want it. Because I'm raising a child, and by golly, I want the world to be better for her than it was for me. And I'm sure most of us would probably agree to that if we're raising children. So there are things that we need to speak out against and leaders that we need to hold accountable Because if they're leading us away from New Eden, we need to call that out. I think there are children out there that need to be loved and cared for and mentored so the New Eden will come. I think there are a lot of situations where we need to say enough is enough because we want New Eden. So do you see New Eden? Do you see it? Because I do. Even though it's hard, it can be overwhelming. When I walk out of this church today, I'm going to be reminded of the world I live in. But let me tell you where I see New Eden. I see New Eden when I read stories about retired people holding babies in the hospital that have no one else to hold them. 
I see New Eden in that. I see New Eden when, um, when people foster dogs. I do. I see New Eden when people recycle or raise their own chickens because they care about creation. I see New Eden in that. I see New Eden when marriages are restored and strengthened. I see New Eden in that. I see New Eden when people are marching against injustice. I see New Eden when people are speaking out against equality because they want equality for all people. I see New Eden in that. I see New Eden when a church opens its doors when it's too cold for people to sleep outside, where they open their doors and so people have a place to put their head at night. And I see New Eden when people give up big salaries or huge promotions because they decide that their family is more important. And I see New Eden when people say, I'm sorry, and others say, I forgive you. I see New Eden, everybody. Church, do you see New Eden? Do you? That was weak. Do you see New Eden? (laughs) I hope so. I pray that we would not be so content with status quo that we just throw our hands up. I pray that we would not be discouraged and beaten down, that we would partner with God and say, yes, let's do this, God. Let's make a New Eden because God is with us and God is working through us. You know, we don't have an ark to build this time, thank goodness, although we do have the Luganbills who could build an ark, I'm pretty sure. But we do have work set out for us. So why don't we read the covenant that I'm actually supposed to read today, all right? Genesis 9, 7 through 18. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. And with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth, yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds, It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on the earth. Did you notice how many times God said something along the line of, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant. It is a sign of my covenant that I will remember my covenant with you. The rainbow was just as much for God as it was for us. And when I think about all the times when it's so overcast, like, I don't know, this last 18 million days we've had, And how God could probably still see a rainbow. And how God could see and be reminded of the promise he made to us so long ago. And that this promise still upholds, although there's a better one coming. So what do you see when you see the rainbow? I see that God remembers. God always remembers. And that floodwaters will never overtake us. That no matter how bad things get, that God promises 
to be with us. And so today, as you go home, this is what I want you to think about. This is what I want you to remember. God chose us. God chose us. Not in a Presbyterian, predestination kind of way, but God chose us. He chose you and you and you and you and me. God chose us. God chooses us. And God will always choose us. And now that you know that, and now that you know of this promise and of this new Eden and that God chooses us, I pray that we would choose God in response. Let's pray. God, thank you for this story. Thank you for the way that we have been able to journey back through it and read every detail and every line so we could fully know what was at stake, what could have happened, but that we were met with such grace and such love, something that we did not deserve. We pray that we would be moved today to get to this new Eden because, man, it sounds good. Empower us, strengthen us, fill us with your spirit so we could be the people that you have always hoped and dreamed that we could be. We love you and we are so sorry for the way that we break your heart. And we're so thankful give us another chance every single day and it's in your name